Saving God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. The Holy Ghost is essential in leading us and guiding us into all truth. There's some things in the Word of God that are natural. It tells us of the physical realm. Then there's the spiritual significance of the Word. For example, if you have the beast coming up out of the sea, you see that it has seven heads, ten horns, and ten crowns upon the horns, upon the heads of the name of blasphemy. Well, now, if that's a physical beast, then we have some monster coming up out of the sea. But we see, through the leading of the Holy Ghost, that it is a conglomerate conglomerate of nations. We see that in Daniel 7. We see that uh, referenced and the heads of the bear, the lion, the leopard. So we know that these are kingdoms and they all compile into one in the last days. So it is governmental uh, uh, blasphemy basically against the name of Jesus. You'll be hated of all nations for his name's sake. When I referenced, is it essential for a believer to sell out and follow Jesus. And I'd say half of the ministers said, well, no, it's spiritual. Well, how are you going to spiritually sell out? I hear again, it's the leading of the Holy Ghost. Well, we need to see the preference in the Word of God as a precedent on how we are to follow our Lord. Well, the Lord forsook all, and he had his followers that forsook all, they uh, immediately forsook their fishing, their receipt of custom, whatever the case was, and followed Jesus. And in that three and a half years, they followed him in all things, and the Lord provided. Now he says to us, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will be added to you. Added. You don't seek them. That doesn't mean you just sit down and don't work. But when we took at, take a look at Jesus, he said, sell that you have. Give alms. Provide for yourselves treasures in the heaven. For mouth and rust is not corrupt, and thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there's your heart also. Well, where's your heart? It's spiritually? Say, well, I spiritually sold out. I keep the world, possessions, and everything else, but I've spiritually done it in my mind. Uh, one minister put it this way. Well, I used to go fishing and hunting, but I don't go fishing and hunting anymore because I'm sold out. Well, that might be good for his thinking and avert it altogether, but I don't think that's what the Lord meant because he forsook all. All the disciples that he called, they immediately forsook all and followed him. And then the church, the Acts 2, Pentecostal church, Acts 2 and Acts 4, sold their possessions. All that had land and possessions sold them and laid it at the apostles' feet, and they dealt to every man as they had need. That's how God pulled all the body of Christ together, fitly framed it, and then sent the word to all the world for a witness unto all nations. 
in the Pentecostal form of rain. That's how it was done. But we think somehow that we in the latter rain will be pre-tribulation raptured out of here, that there is no great move of God in the last days, that evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse, and before all of this great tribulation hits, the church is raptured. There's no great move of God, and we just hold on and just try to stay saved during this time of tribulation. Then the great tribulation hits, but that's okay. We're out of here. That's totally ludicrous. We find that the book of the Revelation is written to the servants of God. That is stated in Revelation 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave unto him to show unto his servants things uh, which must shortly come to pass. Sent and signified it by his angel unto John. And John then relates that to us. Now, John the Baptist forerun Jesus in his first coming. That's Hamashiach ben Yosef, the suffering Messiah. Well, John will again forerun Jesus in his second coming. John in the spirit of Elijah. And there we see in Matthew 17, they come off the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John, the disciples asked Jesus, why do the disciples of John say that Elijah must first come and restore all things? Why do they say Elijah must come? Why must Elijah come first? They say he is, but why? Jesus said Elijah truly must first come and restore all things. He puts that in the future tense. He must. Then he says in the past tense, Elijah has already come if you will receive it. That's the former rain. Now some will negate the latter rain saying, well, Elijah's already come. Well, the Elijah there in the spirit of Elijah, John the Baptist did no mighty miracle. But we see in that spirit of Elijah in the last days, there will be great miracles uh, and signs and wonders in the body of Christ. You see that in Revelation 11. He gives power unto his two witnesses. The two witnesses are the two olive trees, two candlesticks, which is the church. The church in the fullness and power of God. And we see that related to us by Jesus in John 8:13. They came to Jesus, the Pharisees did, and asked uh, uh, Jesus, well, told Jesus, Jesus, you bear record yourself, your record's not true. And Jesus said, though I bear record myself, my record is true because I'm not alone. Well, they didn't see anybody but Jesus. What were they, what, what is Jesus talking about? What's he referencing? And how are they to see someone else when Jesus said, I'm not alone? Well, Jesus said, I am one that bear record of myself, and my Father that sent me, he bear record of me. Then he gives us insight. He doesn't stop there. He said, it is written in your law. The testimony of two men is true. I am one that beareth witness of myself. Now, notice he changes from record to testimony, and that's the testimony of Jesus that we see in Revelation 19.10. That's a spirit of prophecy. Why would we need the spirit of prophecy? Well, if we're going to understand the words of the book of this prophecy, we must have the spirit of prophecy. 
And that is exactly what Jesus is stating there. The testimony of two men is true. There's your two men. I am one that beareth witness of myself. He didn't say record. He said witness. There's one of the witnesses that we see in Revelation 11. The body. Jesus is in the body of his flesh. And he said, my father that sent me, he beareth witness of me. That's the other man. Well, that man is the Lord God Almighty. That's the self-existent eternal spirit of God. And Jesus said, that's the other man. They said, where is your father? We don't see him. And Jesus stated, if you had known me, you should have known my father also. Just as he stated in John 14, when Philip asked him, Lord, show us the father and that sufficeth us. That'll be sufficient. Jesus said, have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou then, showeth the Father? Believe me that I am in my Father, and my Father is in me, or else believe me for the work's sake. The words that I speak are not mine. Well, then whose are they? Jesus stated, The words that I speak are not mine, but the Father that dwelleth in me, He doeth the works. So the words that Jesus spoke is the power of God. He healed the sick, cleansed the leper, raised the dead, cast out devils, opened blind eyes, loosed the dumb, the lame walk, and the captive went free. Blessed is he whomsoever is not offended in me. So the words he spake, they are the power of God. And Jesus is the name that is above every name. When invoking the name of Jesus, that power is invoked. That at the name of Jesus, every devil in hell must obey. Jesus triumphed over the devils, over Satan, triumphing over him in it in a showdown in hell, that that he first ascended, that he first descended into the heart of the earth. And when he did, made a show of him openly, every devil saw that Jesus had power over all the power of the enemy. He took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Then released the prisoners that were shut up in prison. Those spirits of just men made perfect now are in heaven. He moved paradise then in Abraham's bosom and moved it to heaven. The thief on the cross, Jesus stated to him, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Well, where did he go? Jesus didn't first ascend into heaven. He descended into the heart of the earth that day. He preached to the spirit, shut up in prison, by his spirit. That's the Holy Ghost that he is. And at that point, that's where the thief on the cross went with him. And he heard Jesus preach to those spirits, shut up in prison, just like all other dead and believed it. There is one gospel. It's a gospel of the kingdom. Jesus preached that kingdom to them, shut up in prison, and took those spirits into heaven with him. Now, those spirits are in the heavenly realm, the church's assembly of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven, and you'll see to Jesus, the mediator of the covenant, 
an innumerable company of angels and spirits of just men made perfect. That's with the thief on the cross also. Waiting for the resurrection where the spirits will be joined again to a spiritual body where it will be resurrected. That body that is sown in weakness will be raised in power. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. That is the seed that we put in the physical body that sees corruption, but it will be raised incorruptible. Those that know our Lord Jesus Christ will be raised incorruptible. Our vile body, fashioned like unto his glorious body, whereby he's able to subdue all things unto himself. Now, what kind of obedience is required of us to make sure that we're in that resurrection? Make sure that we're in that first resurrection because that's the only resurrection there is that has eternal life. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such, the second death hath no power. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. No one man were dead, yet shall he live. And if he believes in me, he shall never die. Never tasting of death, not seeing death. Not that they would not die, but they wouldn't see it. Oh, death, where is thy stained grave? Where is thy victory? It's swallowed up in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's even when we, the body of Christ, are put to death. And he says many will be put to death because they hate you and some of us put to death from the nations. He doesn't say we're dead. He says, now we sleep. We sleep in the Lord because death has been, and for those that are in Christ, hath been swallowed up in victory. That's where Enoch went. That's where Elijah went. We'll get more into that in detail. They didn't go to heaven, but they went to the Ain. They went to a place where they would not see death. They went to a place there through obedience. The body of Christ will do that, but what will it take? In obedience? Do we just ask Jesus to come into our heart and we're saved and that's it? Or we have to sanctify ourselves wholly, both spirit, soul, and body, and what is sanctification? To what extent? Do we have that stated for us in what it's going to take to make the kingdom of heaven? The answer is yes. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus stated exactly, expressly, what it will take to make the kingdom of heaven. Now, many are in the kingdom of God right now. Christ in you, the hope of glory, you have the Holy Ghost. But yet, not all that say to me, Lord, Lord, even though we have the Spirit of God and we've cast out devils, we've done many wonderful works in his name and prophesied in his name, yet in Matthew 7, Jesus states a profound truth and says, not all that say to me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those that do the will of God. Now it's required that we do the will of God. God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. That measure of faith is the particular will of God for each individual member in the body of Christ. It's not a general faith. It is an individual faith. A faith that 
Jesus has given to us to enable us to do whatever we're called to do according to his will, according to his purpose. So the quest for life is after you are born again of the water and the spirit, after you have repented and been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, born of the water, and you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, born of the spirit, that you have to grow. You have to grow in grace. And that grace comes to you at the revelation of Jesus. 1 Peter 1. That grace reigns through righteousness, which requires obedience. Romans 6. Whosoever you yield your members as servants to obey him or the servants to whom you obey. Whether of sin unto death, even though you have the Holy Ghost, we don't obey it. Well, then there's still sin unto death. It's called a carnal mind, not a natural mind. The natural mind cannot receive the things of God. But this is a carnal mind. To be carnally minded is death, even though you have the Holy Ghost. You have to have that mind renewed. Not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. For what reason? To prove what is that good and acceptable perfect will of God for each individual member of the body of Christ is. Working out our own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God that worketh in us both the will and the do of his good pleasure. Then at the quest for life is after we have been born again, that we grow up into him in all things and all truth. The next step is little children. The little children know that he is the Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, that he is the Father. They've known that, and they call him Lord, Lord. No man can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Ghost. And Jesus said, that's wonderful, but not all that say unto me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. Matthew 7. But only those that do the will of God. Well, many will profess unto the Lord in that day. Lord, we've done many wonderful works in thy name. In thy name, we have cast out devils. In thy name, we have prophesied. And Jesus will state, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. What? They were born again. That's not once saved, always saved, is it, friend? No, it's not. He expects us to be sanctified, holy, both spirit, soul, and body, that we all may be presented blameless at the coming of the Lord, have made ourselves ready, and be presented a blameless church. A church without spot and without blemish. Perfect in all her ways. That's us. But to do that, we have to do the will of God. We have to hear the voice of God. Not only hear it, but obey it. Well, what's required there? Well, we look at Matthew 5, 6, and 7. That's a constitution of the kingdom of heaven. There's a lot of things that Jesus points out to us that only those that are doing the will of God and have done the will of God will be able to enter in. And they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, thinking that they already were entered in and had everything necessary that was essential for salvation, and yet went away with gnashing of teeth. Why? Because it was mistaken identity an easy believism that Jesus doesn't require sanctification. He doesn't require going on to perfection. 
which he gave a fivefold ministry to do. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the sole purpose of the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come into the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God. The knowledge of the Son of God is a perfect mirror image of Jesus unto a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Very few understand that. They go to church as a social club and worship the Lord. They gather for oil and wine, not considering, not considering the work of the ministry, not considering the work of God, the work of God's judgment. And that will surprise the hypocrite. In Isaiah 28, God said that he will rise to do his work, his strange work and to do his act, his strange act. It has surprised the hypocrite. They went to church. They just didn't know this. They didn't seek God for the knowledge. Judgment, God will lay to the line. Righteousness to the plummet. And we all will be measured according to the measure of Jesus Christ. We come up short, a promise slipping any of us that we should seem to come short of entering into his rest. That's Hebrews 4. Someone said, Brother Beard, you're preaching a very straight gate there, a very narrow way, and it's also scaring us sometimes. Well, that needs to scare us because with fear and trembling, we need to work out our own salvation because it's God that worketh in us both the will and the do. The fear of God's the beginning of wisdom. We seek him to do his will. We pray so we align our will with the will of the spirit, not the will of the flesh. We have to mortify the deeds of the flesh, crucifying the flesh with the affections of the lust, whereby the, the worldly church tells us you can have it both. You know, God just takes you the way you are. You don't have to sanctify yourself holy. Just come to church, ask Jesus to come in your heart, or say the sinner's prayer, whatever the case is, whatever the nomination says, and you're saved. That is a lie. That is a gross lie. It'll be a catastrophic ending for those that have bought into that lie. The worldly church will not make it. And that's the reason why Jesus states there in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 what it takes. And what does it take? Well, Look at it. You can read it yourself. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Only those are the ones going to be entered, that able to enter, have access to enter the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. They shall see God. The meek shall inherit the earth. It goes on. Blessed are the peacemakers. And blessed are you when they rail on you. Speak all manner of evil against you. And rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. You live godly in Christ Jesus, you're going to suffer persecution. And we don't let that hinder us. When tribulation persecution arises for the word's sake, we keep going. You don't quit church and say, well, I, I got hurt. You keep going. Don't let anything knock you out of your eternal state and glory with the Lord Jesus. Nothing is worth that. And forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. How straight is that gate? 
How narrow is that way? Well, Jesus stated in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 that we must do the will of God or we don't have entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 7. Then we say in Matthew 6, 19, lay up for yourselves treasures in the heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt and thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there's your heart also. That means sell that you have, except a man forsaketh all that he hath. He cannot be my disciple. The church world says that's spiritually. You just spiritually give it up in your mind. Well, Jesus said sell. The disciples forsook all. He said, except the man forsaketh all that he hath. He cannot be my disciple. And they left all, forsook all, sold all, and followed Jesus. We see that also in in Mark 10. That's part of it. That's not a spiritual sellout. That is forsaken all in, in this world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For all that's of the world. The lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh, and the world passes away with the lust thereof. Whosoever doeth the will of God shall abide forever. And somebody said, well, I didn't know that was part of it. Well, of course. The worldly church is not going to say that. They're going to say, be blessed, have plenty of money, and build up yourself. Don't crucify yourself. Don't mortify the deeds of your flesh. Lift up yourself, and Jesus will accept you anyway. That's a lie. Except a man forsaketh all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. We have to crucify the flesh with the affections and the lust. He states that, mortify the deeds of the flesh. Come you out of the world and be you separate. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. And that requires us for the ones that will come unto perfection in the last day, latter reign of the Holy Ghost, to do what they did in the former reign. What did they do? Well, you can read it. The former reign, Acts, the second chapter, all that had lands and possessions sold them. Acts 2, Acts 4, laid them at the apostles' feet. Not just any old preacher, but the apostles. The ones that they could see and knew that they were led of the Holy Ghost to do so. Not just on a whim, but they were led of the Holy Ghost to do so. And the ones that led of the Holy Ghost in this day and time that are called for the work of the ministry in the latter reign of the Holy Ghost will do the same. Brother Beard, have you done it? Yes. Did it many years ago. And we stay sold out. And we've had many sell out go with us. And we've carried them where we go into all the world. We've gone to Ghana. We've gone to Kenya, Africa. Have over a thousand ministers there. And if God can get it to you, if he can get it through you, there we are not to lay up our mind upon these treasures on earth. We set our affections on the things above, not the things beneath. The former reign, the former church, the book of Acts church, and the former reign sold their possessions, their land and all their possessions, and they had all things common. That's the body of Christ. Their focus is on the kingdom of God. Jesus said, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What about all these cares of the world? And all these other things will be added to you. But you have to believe God. Somebody said, well, that's very scary. That's part of it. 
That is in Matthew 6, 19, just as well. Luke 12, Mark 10. All of them did it before, and it wasn't a spiritual sidestep to where they said, well, Lord, I did it spiritually, so I did it in my mind, and I sold everything in my mind. So that's, I'm, I'm okay to enter in, right? No. When you find that rich young ruler, he comes to Jesus and he said, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Here we go again. He said, well, why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, that is God. But if you'll enter into life, keep the commandments. He said, all these I've kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? He was certain he was okay and would have interest for eternal life. Jesus loved him, beheld him. He could feel the love of God. And he said, one thing thou lackest, sell that you have. The rich young ruler didn't say, well, I'll do that spiritually. <laughs> so, that's ludicrous. Sell that you have, come pick up your cross and come and follow me. He has an opportunity to become a disciple, a called apostle of Jesus. But he went away sorrowful, as most will do today in this time. They'll go to their prosperity churches and think they'll just find and increase with goods, Laodicea, and have the Laodicea in mind. And said, we're at Laodicea, we're clothed, we're fed, we have need of nothing. We're increased with goods. And Jesus states, Knowest thou not your poor, wretched, naked, and destitute? Whew. I counsel of thee to buy me gold tried in the fire. Gold tried in the fire at your faith, though it be tried as by fire, that it may come forth as pure gold. That's suffering for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he states that's selling. Many, many a rich man will miss heaven going to church, thinking they're fine. When Jesus said, how hard, hardly shall those that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. Mark 10. And he said, with men, it's impossible. God, all things are possible. But he said, it's easier for a camel to go through an item of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Yes, the apostles were astonished. Who then can be saved? Well, Jesus stated that except a man forsaketh all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. We can't hold on to the world and have Jesus too. Well, Peter spoke up. Lord, we've forsaken all. We've sold all. We followed you. What shall we have therefore? Jesus said, there's no man, no one that has left houses, lands, family, possessions, for my sake and the gospels that shall not receive a hundredfold more in this lifetime and in the life to come, eternal life. That is a promise of God. That's the only hundredfold blessing in the word of God. Well, you'll have the prosperity preachers tell you, well, you just give and claim that hundredfold blessing. It's not yours. That's only for the sold out believers, the ones that are forsaken all. He required it. The apostles 
they obeyed and did it. And the former church sanctioned it. They did it. They obeyed. They sold all that had lands and possessions, sold them and laid them at the apostles' feet. And every man was dealt from the apostles as they had need. He that gathered much had nothing left over, and he that gathered gathered little had no lack. And they took the world at that time for Jesus. You see that in the former reign. It says there in the book of Acts, the eighth chapter, there abode at Jerusalem only the apostles. Well, where was the church? They were scattered abroad. They went everywhere preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. And it said, These that have turned the world upside down have come to our city also. How much more in the latter reign? How much more in the last great reign of his strength? That God is preparing his body right now to those that have an ear to hear. He meant what he said, said what he meant. And about half of the ministers that you have written me saying, no, just spiritually, he didn't really mean to do that. He didn't mean what he said and didn't say, say what he meant. No, Jesus said exactly what he meant and meant what he said. And we can't just because we listen to some denominal preacher telling us that's not, not so, we're going to find it is required, it's essential, and the ones that obey will be the ones that will be vessels unto honor meet for the master's use for the work of the ministry. There's no other way. You can read it. Follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. Don't do it on uh, anybody telling you or demanding you. Absolutely not. You only go through the leading of the Holy Ghost and make sure that you know that you know that you're being led of the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost himself, the Christ in you. Then you cannot go wrong. The Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. He meant what he said. Again, he said what he meant. The ones that don't believe that, and they're going to find out there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth, weeping because of a mistaken identity, thinking that Jesus dearly didn't mean what he said. He was straightforward, and he said, I have forewarned you. The time will come. They're going to deliver you up out of the synagogues and out of the churches. Yea, the time will come that he that kills you will think that he did God a service. These things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me, that Jesus is the Father of glory revealed in flesh. The only one God. And these, these ungodly men, these certain men that have crept in unawares, ordained in the condemnation, ungodly men, unholy, have preached and denied the only Lord God, the Jesus only doctrine of Christ. The ones that know the truth, follow on, obey the Lord in all things, and you will be blessed. You will be the one that will lead this last day move of God and the latter reign of the Holy Ghost, and those will be the ones that have come unto perfection for the work of the ministry of Ephesians 4.11. That's you. Well, we'd love to hear from you. If you will, write to me. If you have questions or comments, I'd love to hear from you. Write to me, Dennis Beard, Post Office, Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. Or you can email me at dennis at dennisbeard.org. 
you can contact us on the websites, DennisBeard.org, SealingGodsPeople.org, SealingGodsPeople.com, JCIC.tv, where you can register and be with us here on the streaming, where you can comment or ask any questions. We'd love to hear from you. Daily, go and download our app, Sealing God's People, for our podcast. Daily, on Sealing God's People, on over 25 uh, different internet sites, social media sites. Well, we'd love to hear from you there if you have questions. Join up with us in the ministry for the fight, the good fight of faith. Taking this gospel to all the world for a witness and all nations. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Spirit saying, Behold, the real Jesus.